Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. Today, we continue our series in the book of Ecclesiastes. This important work written by King Solomon gives perspective on the limitations of human existence and why someone even as wealthy, powerful, and intelligent as King Solomon had bouts of despair and disillusionment even amid his success and wealth. By the same token, as human beings, we get caught up in all of the same trappings that can bring misery instead of contentment. Last week, we looked at one of my favorite passages in chapter three that talked about there's a time for everything under the heavens. It gives a macro vision of our life and allows us to put ourselves into God's context instead of seeing ourselves as the center of the world. When we align ourselves to God's purpose and sovereignty, we live lives of significance and purpose Instead of a life defined by fear and anxiety of trying to anticipate things for our own benefit. Last week, we touched on that, and I encourage you to go back and listen to that on my podcast. As we move into chapter four, it recapitulates some of the same sentiment from previous chapters, but it also includes our need for community. Let's begin starting in verse one. Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who were already dead more fortunate than the living who were still alive. But better than both is he who has not been and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Then I saw all the toil and all the skill and work come from man's envy of his neighbor. This is also vanity and a striving after wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after wind. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to throne, though in his own kingdom he had been born poor. I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with that youth who is to stand in the king's place. There was no end to all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who came later will not rejoice in him. Surely this is all vanity and striving after the wind. Chapter 4 not only recaps earlier elements from other chapters, it also discusses the importance of not going it alone. 
In the American culture right now, we have a great tendency to isolate ourselves. The technological advancements of the last 30 to 40 years have made it very easy for people to be an island. People work from home. They spend most of their time in their homes. The theater has been replaced by the home theater. The restaurant has been replaced by takeout. Personal relationships and communication have been replaced by emails, text messages, and social media. And evidently, the many quote-unquote friends that we have online don't really pass the muster of being true friendships. And for that reason, there's been great anxiety and stress. A report by the Harvard Graduate School of Education says 36% of all Americans feel serious loneliness, which breaks down with 60% of young adults and 51% of mothers with young children. Especially coming out of the pandemic, it is so important for Christians in particular to seek out biblical community and to have strong friendships. But we also need to be reaching out to those beyond the church walls. As many are suffering in silence, it is not easy for someone to admit loneliness and isolation. And there will be an initial reluctance to leave the comforts of home and and deal with other people. What I've noticed in recent years is, as people have emerged from the pandemic isolation, is that there's an awkward period where people are getting used to being together. Something as simple as crowds and lines and things that used to be taken for granted are becoming barriers to getting people to connect on a one-on-one basis. And friends, this is the church's finest hour. I am delighted by live streams that allow people to catch up on the sermon when they miss church. I'm delighted by the opportunities for people to connect with a church online before they visit. Having said all that, simply watching a church online or a podcast or even this program on its various formats does not replace biblical community. Friend, I am a teacher and I'm a resource, but I am not your pastor. I am here to encourage and support the local church in its ministry to its congregation, but programs such as these cannot be a replacement. There's nothing that replaces in-person worship expressions. There's nothing that replaces corporate prayer, the taking of the ordinances, or the connection that happens in corporate worship and in the reading and preaching of God's Word. I believe that all of us as Christians need to encourage people to take up regular church attendance, to connect with small group discipleship, which can include one-on-one mentoring. I think that we need to continue to reach out to people evangelistically on a one-on-one basis. Programs are lovely, but nothing beats the church membership taking their faith seriously, answering culture's questions about faith, and inviting people to church or into faith itself. There's a training and equipping that I desire for this program to provide that strengthens the local church. For example, if we apply the principles of discipleship that we discuss on this program to our daily lives, this information should equip and help Christians in local congregations to strengthen those congregations, not to get crossways with the leadership of that church and not to replace corporate worship, but to encourage you in your faith to build your own influence in your community through your own maturity and giftedness to become an asset to that church and an advocate for that church and a leader for that church, someone who takes on leadership positions in that church. Because friend, with all of the media options out there, there is no replacement of the local church. It is the bride of Christ. It is a doctrine of the church, and we are to take that seriously. 
That's why also in this program, we encourage you to have biblical literacy, to understand that many of the great controversies happening in various faith groups right now are simply rooted in biblical illiteracy. A simple reading of the text would allow us to understand that these are non-negotiables and we should be aligning our lives to the Word of God rather than trying to retrofit our messages into God's Word or ignoring important passages of the Bible because they don't meet our personal preferences. The transformative power of the gospel, of the discipleship process, of proper church ecclesiology, allow people to grow and be able to help each other in their faith. Throughout my life, there's been times that I've been the strong one supporting people who are struggling. In turn, there's been times there have been people in my life that have held me accountable, who've encouraged me, who've prayed for me, and whose face I liked to see when I walked the door of the local church. We need a friendly face. We need someone who's going to encourage us, not just in our personal life and happiness, but also encourage us to move forward in our faith and to grow in maturity and Christ-likeness. That's why community is so important. Verses 7 through 9 discuss how co-laboring is so much more meaningful than doing it ourselves. Verse 10 says, If they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who's alone and falls and doesn't have anyone to lift them up. This reminds me of the buddy system, whether you were in a school or an other setting. It talks about the warmth that people used to share. Before modern conveniences, people used to share warmth because they lived in a pre-modern existence without climate control. And finally, in the very iconic verse 12, it talks about two can prevail versus one is defeated. And the very famous threefold cord is not quickly broken. This talks about the weaving process of a rope that strengthens it and allows it to exponentially become stronger because it's not one simple cord. Friend, this is how our relationship should be. This is how our churches should be, where one person might find themselves vulnerable and susceptible to temptation or falling away. Collectively, we're much stronger and are able to ward off harmful outside influences. This is the concept I want to focus on today. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This passage was spoken a lot during the pandemic about making sure that people were not isolating. And we are to come together and not neglect the fellowship. Work schedules, the technological advances, and lots of other excuses keep us apart. But we are to find that time to come together in worship, not only for our benefit individually and collectively, but also because God deserves our praise. God is worthy of our worship. We are then transformed through that process. First John 1 John 1.7 also says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, 5 both reference the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians says, For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Romans says, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. The passage talks about one potty part does not say to the other, we have no need of you. We are all needed within the body of Christ. We all bring unique gifts and perspectives and levels of maturity that allow us to live a rich community of faith together. We are able to complement one another, no matter our circumstances or station in life. 
We are called to worship corporately and individually to give God his due and to seek transformation through the spirit and through the community of faith that builds each other up. In our self-reliant individualistic world, I get concerned that we will fall away, become too self-absorbed, and disconnect ourselves from the power source, which is Christ. In Christ, we can do amazing things, but apart from him, we can do nothing. As we wind down today, I want to encourage you to be discipled, to be in biblical fellowship, to be a part of a Bible-believing, Bible-loving church full of people that will encourage you, but also challenge you to grow in your faith. I encourage you to pursue discipleship relationships and evangelistic relationships, whether you're the one being poured into or the one pouring into others. The countercultural truth about Christianity is whereas our business culture is one where you're supposed to withhold the information so that you have the advantage and you can become more successful, the gospel is more about us pouring that information in freely to people around us so that our maturity grows through the act of maturing the faith of others. And friend, that cannot be done in a text message or on this radio program. And so what I really hope today is that I've got you thinking about ways that you can get involved with a local body of faith and that ways that you can contribute and also either continue on your discipleship journey, pursue maturity and pursue godliness, but also the act of finding someone around you, probably starting in your own household, someone who needs a discipleship mentor in their life, someone that you can take on, that you can invest in and grow together. Discipling someone is one of the most rewarding aspects of our faith, but it's also rewarding for the person who's desperately in need of someone to take an interest in them spiritually. Friend, we are out of time and I'm so glad you joined me today. I look forward to moving on to chapter five next week and I'll see you on our next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.